Welcome to the Business Done Differently podcast, where we believe whatever is normal, do the exact opposite. And that standing out is the best way to grow your business. I'm your host, Jesse Cole, and it's showtime. Season three, Business Done Differently. I am fired up to welcome the first person from the actual Bananas team to be on the show today. Jared, the president, now four years with the Bananas, right? Yes, going into year five. Year five with the Bananas, fired up and excited to have you on the show. I mean, this is a big honor for you, I know. Well, I was going to say congrats on season three because we always talk. What's the stat you use, the number of episodes that people normally create for their podcast and then give up? I think it was like nine, wasn't it? Like nine? You had what, 50? No, over 100. Oh, all right. 100. Okay, sorry. Yeah. Ooh, whoa. yeah, let's start that over again, all right? Um, no, but excited because obviously you played a huge role in what's happened with the Bananas and talking about the fans' first experience and where it is and the sellouts. And I really want people to get a part of this by seeing your perspective. And I think not many people know this, but Emily and I wouldn't have come to Savannah if you didn't say yes because we were so scared of not having a leader. And even at 24 years old, to take over this. And I would love just for the listeners to share your story, becoming a president of the Bananas at 24 years old, your experience beforehand, and what's brought you to this point. Yeah, you say leader. I don't know if I was much of a leader. I was certainly a body. I was a warm body that got involved. I'll never forget, people can picture this, you and Emily and me and Kelsey sitting there outside y'all's neighborhood yep. in Charlotte, and we were talking like, what would this look like? You know, could we go down and make this happen? And obviously, you know, we had a great relationship and stayed in touch over the you know couple of seasons that I wasn't working for fans first. And then it was like, you know, you always said, we're going to get back together. We're going to get back together. And we didn't know what that looked like. And we keep hearing this idea of this team leaving Savannah, Georgia. And should we go down there? And you kind of put it on us to say, like, Kelsey and I said, we got to go check it out, too. We got to go see what it's all about. And when we came down here and realized that this place needed energy, it needed entertainment, it needed enthusiasm, the fans deserved it. Kelsey and I both looked at each other like, we have to. We have to do it. And so, yeah, that led us to being down here. And we always tell the story on October 5th. We got this wad of keys to Grayson Stadium. And we all kind of looked at each other like, well, now what? And that's when we drug the picnic table into the office because you know the office was condemned. And there's no equipment, no phone lines, no internet, like no nothing. And we start calling people, right? And we're trying to be, you know, I'm 24 years old. And, you know, you're so proud that you're starting this new team and you got Jesse and Emily, they believe in you. We're so excited. We're going to save baseball at Grayson Stadium. We're going to save baseball in Savannah. And we just got crushed. I mean, people laughing at me, people just saying, you know, who are you? The Little League team? The Santa? Like, who? What? 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 And going to these meetings and trying to prove yourself and say, like, you know, we're going to do it. We're going to do it. And for so long, we just got no response for those first four or five months. And that was painful. Yeah, it was tough. And as many people know the story, we eventually turned it around. We got everyone excited. But I want to go back a little bit because yeah. I think going into the fans first experience and something that Emily and I saw in you that I think when we're looking to hire and looking leaders, I'm going to make your head a little bigger right now, Jared. All right. So just get ready for this. But when we first met, you were in college yeah. and I didn't know you had a Chick-fil-A background. So obviously maybe a little of that came through all right, with your experience. But the first time we met, didn't have a job. And within a day, after we had you in, but there was no job with the Gastonia Grizzlies. There was no job, but you came in and you just wanted to meet. And then you said, I'd love to be a part of it. We had no opportunities. But then you sent a thank you letter, which remember I found again about a couple months ago, pulled it out, the thank you letter you sent from back in 2012, wow. which was amazing. And then you keep reaching out and you send another thank you letter and you provided value first. Mm -hmm. And I think, how did you develop that instinct? Because teaching people that is huge. And now looking at like, when you first started, you wrote thank you letters to the parents 
of the 22-year-olds that started with us. Just give us a little bit of background. Yeah, I mean, that has to come from my parents. It honestly does. I know that's a very cliche answer, but we were always taught you need to show your appreciation to people. And for us, it came through the written form. So when we got Christmas gifts or birthdays, even if somebody just, a grandparent sent us a check for $25 for our birthday or something, like we always wrote thank you notes. And they always came from us. It wasn't, you know, our parents wrote the thank you notes for us. And I think that's just where it came from. It was, you've got to show your appreciation to people Mm -hmm. because people want to know that they're appreciated, Mm -hmm. right? And Kelsey and I always have this joke, like from the office, I appreciate that you appreciate me. But people want to Mm -hmm. know that they're appreciated. And so simply writing a letter, and it's more than just an email, right? Because emails are so easy. You can just type an email out and send it to people. But, But a thank you call or a thank you note or a thank you gesture and all sorts of creative things that can happen just shows someone, hey, I appreciate you for what you did. And for what y'all did was you took time. You sat down with me for 30 minutes or an hour when you didn't have to, right? You didn't have to. You didn't have a job. Uh, You didn't have anything to offer me. So I was literally taking up your time. I was taking up your knowledge. And you were so kind. You guys were so kind to give that to me. So it was like, well, you've got to take one more step and say, like, I do want to be a part of this. Mm -hmm. And so I need to show at least one more step. This is why I appreciate it, and this is why I want to be a part of it. Yeah. Well, it stood out. Me and Emily were blown away, and we said, hey, we need you to come here. Because we knew we could trust you, we knew that you understood, hey, we got to care more. Mm-hmm. And that's a long game. The caring is the long game, because at first, we were trying to care, and people weren't listening. All right? We kept going. So let's go in the story. A lot of people know, obviously, we turned it around. But you became this leader. You had three 22-year-olds right. right out of college. You're only a couple years out of college. Worked with the Burlington Royals for a year. Tell me about the beginning of your leadership role and really what you learned those first years trying to turn around a team. Yeah, I think the biggest thing that I began to learn was when you come into this organization, we come into really launching this new team and launching this new venture is you've got to begin to show people that it's not all talk. Right, because mm-hmm. we came in and it was all we were talking about everything we we're going to mm-hmm. do. We started to call the newspaper and call the TV mm-hmm. station and call the radio and, and talk, 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 talk. And people were like, "Who are you? You just got here. The professional team left, and everything said that everyone said the stadium was going to fail, and the baseball team was going to fail, and so people just didn't know who we were. And so again, it's the long game. And I realized that even as a young person, we had to just get out there and introduce ourselves to as many people as possible and tell a clear story on here's who we are. Here's where we're trying to go. We're all about entertainment. We're all about fun. We had our kind of taglines. Whatever you expect at a baseball game, it's the complete opposite. It was a circus and a baseball game breaks out. It's the most fun you've ever had at a baseball game. We had all those taglines, dancing players and roses little girls in the crowd. We had all those things. But what we really started saying in the springtime was come to one game. And I think what I realized at that point was we can't just keep talking. We've got to tell people, come to one game, and it's on us to prove to you that this experience is what we talked about. Mm -hmm. It's up to us to prove the experience. And if you don't like it, that's on us, Mm. because we haven't provided that experience. We can come up with a crazy name. We can come up with all these marketing stunts. We can come up with a great ticket package. But if we don't live up to creating this remarkable experience for them, they'll never come back. And so we just ask people to come to one game. And we did that. And obviously, I think that stemmed from years ago, you know, every game is someone's first game, Emily, and then you've really bodied that hell of every game is someone's first game. So then what, like, what happened? So how do you get a team? I think this is really interesting because obviously I was seeing it from the macro level and let's go into it because to get people to come, we talk about this, turning customers into fans. Mm -hmm. Marketing can sometimes get customers, but it's the experience that gets fans. 
Because people are always fascinated. Now, which again, we're going to talk about your new Fans First Experience podcast, the right. workshops we're doing. But let's talk about the role that marketing played in the beginning. Because you were part of everything. You were making the conversations, the newspaper, everything, to where marketing has evolved for us. There's no doubt that we had to market and we had to advertise. There's no doubt about it. We had to do that. We had newspaper stuff. We had radio stuff. We were writing copy. We were generating emails and social media. We were doing all that. And I would argue pretty successfully. But once we got into the springtime and we had a name, we had people's attention. Yeah. In the beginning, though, we were marketing, but nobody cared. Yes. We were trying to sell these ticket packages and buy our sponsorship packages and come to these games. You know, we had the Savannah Baseball 2016 logo. Like, we didn't even have a name. <laughs> and so that was the shift. If you're just marketing something with no soul, with no human behind it, if you're just trying to put stuff out there, trying to sell it because you're competing on, we're going to have the best product, we're going to have the best prize and all this nonsense, then a handful of people might buy it. Mm -hmm. When we got people's attention, because we didn't change products. We were still selling the same ticket packages. Yep. We were still promising the same experience. Yep. We were still talking about the same crazy nonsense. But we finally got people's attention. Yes. And that's when the marketing started to actually work. Yes. Marketing without attention is just putting money in the slot machine, hitting the button, and hoping something comes out. Marketing with attention, that's gasoline on a fire and everything started heating up after that february yep. march april may into that season and all of a sudden opening night sold out and then night two sold out mm. and then 17 of those first mm. whatever 25 22. games yeah. sold out and so marketing without attention yeah. is absolutely dead when we market with attention that's when it blew up you know it's interesting you put it in three systems that we developed first we marketed without attention yep sold two tickets <laughs> it was terrible then we got the attention, which again, the attention was strategic. Mm -hmm. Name the team the Savannah Bananas. Have a senior citizen yep. team called the Banana Bananas. You know, all these things that we announced, the Daisy Bat Dog, which happened, we made it into an announcement. We used everything for attention. And we were still marketing. We were spending dollars. Yeah. But then, fast forward. Now, and you've played a big role in this, what does the marketing look like now? Yeah, so what we realized that we had to get out there and advertise the product, right? But that was because we were now getting all this attention. Slowly but surely, the attention kept building. The marketing, the paid, traditional, true marketing kept decreasing because we were getting the attention of the fans and the fans were the ones out there talking about the experience and doing the marketing. Now, we've ran a couple really cool campaigns and they were built on, you know, generating this waiting list, this priority list. And those things were very strategic because we had sold out all these packages and we said, all right, for the next three months, we're going to campaign so hard on building this amazing waiting list of people. And then we're going to give them the opportunity to buy. But even that, the only reason I believe that was so successful is because the fans were talking mm -hmm. about all the games are sold out. You got to get there early. You got to get your tickets. Early. So then we just, again, poured gas on the fire and said, all right, everyone's talking about sold out games. They're talking about getting on a list. They're talking about getting your tickets early. We're going to give you an opportunity to join this list. We're going to put it out there for you. And thousands of people did. And then we gave them the opportunity to be the first mm -hmm. ones to buy. And everything grew up after that. Now in year five, we will spend less than a thousand dollars on true advertising we'll put some money behind some social media posts once they get a ton of traction a ton of traffic we'll put a little bit behind that other than that nothing outside of a really just those social media things yeah. and i think that's the fascinating thing when people say what is the fans first experience mm -hmm. 
It's turning your customers into fans and letting your fans do all the marketing yep. for you. And I think everyone has a marketing budget. Here's our marketing budget. We have a full-time marketing person. We have this, this, then we have our budget. We've gone from literally full-time marketing to remote, just yep. helping us on social media, to everything we're doing is investing in experience. Yep. And I think you've been on this journey of five years where at first I was kind of working on the social media. Then you took it over and it was less. And then now it's like we are doing zero dot wall of boosting some posts here and there that are already getting traction. A video that gets 50,000 views is easy to put $50 behind it <laughs> to get 50,000 more views. Because like, it's already getting that's traction. That's just easy. Yes. So it's best. So what would be a lesson for a business here? It's like, hey, we're spending all this on marketing. We're doing all this. We're getting okay results. What would you tell them? How can a company, because I think from the fans' first experience and what we're teaching is a completely different mindset than saying, hey, let's keep marketing. I know sometimes I talk details, but I want to go macro here a little bit right. because there's a difference. You know, what we talk about is turning customers into fans. And so I think we both believe and understand that advertising gets customers, right? And so if your only goal is to get customers mm -hmm. and just churn through customers, which we could do, yeah. and we saw that the first couple of years, our retention rate, our renewal rate mm -hmm. of some of our five game plan and package holders wasn't as great as we thought it mm -hmm. was because we were just get customers, get customers, get customers. If you make the shift mm -hmm. into building more fans, build more fans, that is how you begin developing this tribe mentality of people who believe in your product, believe in your business, want to be a part of your business. They are the ones that go out and become your biggest marketer. So if you shift from, all right, we're just trying to get more customers to let's create an experience mm -hmm. where these people are fans of our business. We always talk about yeah. it. What would it take for someone to say, I want to wear that t-shirt of that bank? What would it take? What would the experience be like mm -hmm. if people are such big fans of your business that if you create a t-shirt, they would wear it? And you might be a bank or a CPA or a lawyer or a convenience store. You share the short the story of Yeti all the time yeah. where there's people all over the yes. world that have never bought a Yeti product, never bought Yeti a Yeti cooler. cooler or a tumbler or anything like that, but they'll wear the Yeti hat or they'll wear the Yeti shirt or put a Yeti sticker on their on their right. car or whatever because they think the brand is so cool. Create fans yeah. instead of just focusing on creating customers. So, so let's get into a private standpoint. You're the president of this yeah. team. You're a leader of a business. How do you do it? Because again, on the standpoint, we're always talking about experience, experience, experience. How do you do it? I think for us, we took those customers that we have. And obviously, it's, kind of, it's different because we're a sports team. We call them fans already. So we have our fans. We have this fan base. And we have to identify the people in that fan base mm -hmm. who are most likely to go out and be our biggest marketers. And then we come to them, and we have to identify all these touch points along the way where we can start engaging them and building them up as fans. And it's not trying to sell them something else. It's how do we deliver them amazing free content. Yeah. So traditionally, as a baseball team, it's we talk about about scores and the losses and the wins and the team. It was like, no, no, no. What if we told the story of these fans and made the fans the hero? Mm -hmm. And so we tell the stories of Mr. Willie and we tell the stories of the Moon family. We tell the stories of the 100,000th fan, this little kid that gets to come to a game. We tell the stories of Reginald. We tell these stories of these fans. And so we're not patting ourselves on the back mm -hmm. as the business. We're patting our fans mm -hmm. on the back and saying, look at them. Look mm -hmm. at these people. So if I could share one thing to yeah. start building these people's fans is tell the story of the fan. Yeah. Find, if you're a small business, 10 customers. If you're a large business, 100. Find some of those people who are already close to being some of your biggest fans mm -hmm. and say, what's their story? Mm -hmm. How can we tell our story where we're not the hero, 
as Donald Miller says, be the guide, not the hero. Mm -hmm. So we're not the hero. Allow them to be the hero, and you're the guide as people go along the way. Make the customer the fan. Make the fan the hero. I love it. And that's obviously a way that we can look at it differently. But I think what I'm fascinated by, Jared, is you're not a crazy extrovert like me. You're not crazy yellow tuxedo run around scream. But you're, I would say, in the verge, introvert a little bit. But what I've noticed in going back, let's go back to the beginning. You would get in videos. You would do these bark in the park videos. You became an infomercial man. You became a pilgrim president. And I think there's something to be said about how do you make your brand fun? Mm -hmm. Because there were moments back in the day, let's think about this transition. We were still advertising, trying to get people to come out. We were still marketing, but we marketed in a fun way. Talk a little bit about your role and how from the top, whether it's an owner, whether it's a president, you got to be willing to have fun and do it because that worked. People shared those videos. That's really interesting. I didn't think about that as much as we were getting ready to talk about this, but there were moments where we were trying to sell something, but we did it in this lens of, again, we're entertaining the fans. Yes. We're not trying to sell them. We're not going to get up there and say, hey, buy this t-shirt or come to this thing. It was, let's come up with just something absolutely ridiculous that they would say, even if I'm not, I don't even know what they're selling, but I just want to watch the video because that was just so outrageous and ridiculous. And so, yeah, we started coming up with these ideas like, all right, I'm going to go anti-Christmas because I don't think people respect Thanksgiving as much. And so I you know, wear this pilgrim costume and say, people are anti-Christmas, or people are anti-Thanksgiving, people are bashing Thanksgiving. I'm here to save Thanksgiving. We're shutting down our retail store. You can only buy online from us. And what happened? Everyone just went online and started buying merchandise <laughs> from us. It was these ideas of what if we could create things that are entertaining for yes. the fans. Again, not trying to generate customers. We're just trying to build more fans of our business. And through those videos, it kind of led people to say, I don't know what they're doing, but it's really fun. It and it's fun. really entertaining. And maybe I will go buy a t-shirt. Yeah, so it's the most recent video. You know, we're announcing. Every company has announcements they need to make. You have product launches, but how do you do it in a fun way? We're announcing free shipping. And you go through the process because you created this kind of yourself. So the free shipping idea came from we're not competing against the Atlanta Braves. Yeah. Right? They're not our competition. People always ask I know your competition. I know your competition. Our competition is everyone that sells something on the internet. That's who our competition and ultimately From online retail, yes. Our competition on an online retail side in this conversation is Amazon. Yep. Or Walmart.com or anybody who can ship something. You know, by the time I order it at the end of this podcast, it'll be here. And so we had the conversation. If we're gonna compete in the online retail space, then we should offer free shipping because that is fans. First. Yes. Fans first is not nickeling, diming people. We don't do that at our ballpark. We don't do that for our ticket packages. Mm-hmm. Fans first probably means free shipping. Well, you can't just announce free shipping because that looks self-serving and really nasty and that looks all corporate and cold. And so let's bring back the pilgrim costume again and say, because of the freedom that the pilgrims sought here in America, we believe that everyone in America should also have these same freedoms. And by that means, you should get free shipping. And so I created this pledge that Bananas fans would no longer be punished by the evil you know, monarchy of the British government to have fees on everybody. And that Bananas fans forever and always would get free shipping. Yep. And we have shipped a lot of merchandise. Hundreds. hundreds and it's of- been very costly, but it's the right thing to do. And it created tension. Yep. And it was fun. And my family thought I was insane, but I was at an event. You know, I forget that we do these videos a lot. I forget <laughs> half the stuff we do. And a guy came by, he goes, oh, the pilgrim guy. The pilgrim guy. 
because they saw a video. They saw the video. Again, framework fans first, stop doing what your customers hate. Look at those friction points, but how do you make it fun? And then the normal opposite. Yes. It's like, you know, stop the frustrating, stop the friction points. No one likes shipping. No one likes those extra fees. No one likes that. And then normal opposite, and we always use normal, but it's average, fine, yeah. standard, yeah. like Required. boring, yeah. like any of those things. What would the opposite be? And it's not that difficult to come up with sometimes. Yeah. All right. So fans first experience in the last four years, is there a story that maybe stands out for you that happened at the ballpark? So someone knows like, hey, what does this look like? Because we have young people, we have part-time staff, and they're delivering it. Is a story that stands out for you? Because we're understanding what this fans first experience is. All right. You got to stop doing what people hate. You got to turn to a great experience. You got to make your customers your marketers and turn the biggest fans. What does that look like? So, sorry, this is, I totally lost myself. Re- ask that question. <laughs> ask that question again. No, I no, I mean, thinking about like stories for four years, now going into fifth year, you've been leading this team. You got young people, we got part time staff. What are some stories that you've seen that someone said, hey, I'm going to go all in on fans first and create a great experience? Yeah, so I think when a lot of people, that when they ask that question, a lot of people ask, how do I share this with my staff? Yes. And so how do I share this with my team? Yes. And I try to, to explain to them, like we try to boil it down to, is it fans first? Mm. And what fans first means is we're using this lens of entertainment. Mm. Everything's entertaining. Fun, 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 fun. Entertaining, entertaining, entertaining. And so I think the best example was this, even this past year when Nicole, who was one of our interns, is super talented, goes to SCAD, you know, super talented vocalist, has tried out for The Voice and all these crazy things, comes to us and says, you know, I think the most boring part of this game is the announcements. That the announcements are, though, you know, we kind of look at each other like, yeah, they are. They kind of suck, you the know, pre-game like the pregame announcements. If you're hurt, go to first aid, the restrooms are to the left, like, please don't smoke, don't get hit by a batter ball. And so she says, I'm going to sing the pregame announcements. And so there she goes, and she sings, you know, smoking is prohibited. And I look, and everyone's phone is out for the pregame announcements. And I'm thinking, that's entertainment. That's fans first, because she was able to understand that my role here is to entertain the fans, and my role here is to take normal, boring things and figure out how I can twist them and tweak them and change them and she made a simple adjustment. People always ask, oh, this, this sounds so expensive. All the things you got. No, this didn't cost us anything. Yeah. This was an intern who said, I understand what this is about. Entertain the fans. Fans first means do things differently. Take boring things. Make them fun. And she said, I'm going to take the pregame announcements. I'm going to sing them. And again, I swear to you, everyone's phone in the ballpark per- filmed the pregame announcements. Yep. What are those required things you make remarkable? What are those normal things you can make special? And I think that was such a good example. We now have our game day staff like dressing up in full tutus and costumes and ushers. And then like <laughs> sometimes I, it goes wrong. Sometimes, yeah, you maybe shouldn't be wearing that when you're. But it's about looking at it and making it fun. And so, all right, that's a great segue to our first game. All right, it is truth and dare. Which okay. one would you like first? Dare. All right. Speaking of singing, we're going to do a sing off. Okay. All right. So we do this at our stadium. You know, you're well aware of it. Yes. It used to be. Now again, this is actually a good point. Promotions evolve, but you learn by doing. The first time we did sing-offs, it was two people on the field, right. guy versus guy, and we do like a love song when a man loves a woman or always. But then we decided to shift and have 2,000 fans versus 2,000 fans. It's epic. It's one of the best promotions we do. So I do it on stage during my speeches, so now you're going to do it. All right? Ready. So when the song finishes, you got to finish that song lyric. Don't look here at the computer. Here we go. Are you ready? Ready. All right. Let's see. Here we go. Shake, 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 and the player's gonna hate, 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 hate. 
You love Taylor Swift. How do you miss this one? The players are going to play, play, yeah, play, I was play, trying to go play. up. I was, the haters going to hate, I was hate, going hate. there, but I was trying to go matching her pitch. Yes. I think my voice squawked. It did. It did. That was interesting. No, but you've been to Taylor Swift concerts. I did this specifically for you, I know Jared. you did. We witnessed Taylor Swift at the Benz, Atlanta. You and Kelsey? It was epic. It was Kelsey started as a fan, but you have become a fan. She sold out back-to-back nights at the Mercedes-Benz. It was an experience. She not only performed on stage, she ziplined to like the middle of the stadium. Then she walked through all the fans to the other side of the stadium and then ziplined back. So you're blown away. Pretty blown away. Because again, Taylor Swift, probably one of the most successful performers right now. I mean, she only did NFL stadiums. Yes. That was the tour. Only NFL stadiums. What else stood out from you from that performance? The performance was, I mean, it was... This is not the truth. I'm just getting into that. Oh, sorry. Um, <laughs> not the performance itself. You want to talk about having fans. Yes. Like, I know everyone says, like, she had, you know, people have fans, performers Swifties, have fans. Right? Swifties, If you ever see the behind-the-scenes secret sessions videos that she does, they are epic, where she invites fans to her home, and there's a secret session, films it, puts it out. I mean, you want to talk about building fans? She does a pretty good job of building fans. Well, I think that's one of the great things. And I didn't mean go on this aside, but you learn from people outside your industry. Heck yes. And she actually sees what people are putting on Twitter like, hey, you know, I wish I could have my college debt paid off. And she's like done it. Yeah. She's like yeah. saw what she people She builds are. fans. Yes, because she does those certain things. Mm-hmm. All right, so the dare. I thought that was the dare. That was the dare. You ready for the truth? Truth. <laughs> All right. What's something that has been goofy, wild, or silly over the last four years that maybe not many people know? that you've gone through at the ballpark, it was just like... I think probably the goofiest or weirdest thing that I've had to do is just come up with some of these videos that I get to feel uncomfortable with. Maybe it's not me, but we did this video where we were all standing in our underwear. The whole video was, sure, so good you don't need pants. (laughs) And here I am thinking, this can't be right that we're all filming this video of our coworkers and we're wearing just these, basically our underwear. It was the Um, Dolce & Banana underwear. Dolce & Banana underwear. And then Patrick, who you always ask to do ridiculous things, shows up wearing the Dolce & Banana, banana, large banana underwear to the video that had to be one of the most uncomfortable days of my life. Because <laughs> he probably didn't have a shirt or pants. It was just the underwear, probably. I think he was maybe wearing a shirt. Okay. But then he pulled it up and did this kind of shimmy thing. <laughs> you can see it on the internet. It was awkward for all of us. And that's been a lot of those. Hey, but what do those videos do for a culture? I think we've talked about this. And again, in the current, creating a fan's first experience, I think you need to be fun in the office. You need to make sure your people are having fun. You've done a lot of weird videos over the years. Yeah. What have you seen as far as what it does for the culture? I think it allows us to laugh. I think it allows us to laugh at ourselves. Business is very serious. Yeah. People take business probably too serious. Yeah. We all just want to have fun. And I think we've kind of made this mission of making baseball fun. But there's also an element of can we make business fun? Yes. And I think there's something to be said about people just having fun yeah. in the office. Not that people talk about millennials and these you know open office cultures. Like, guys, we don't have ping pong tables. And we don't mm-hmm. have people running around on miniature ponies. Like, we don't have all that crazy stuff. Mm-hmm. But there can be an element of, hey, we laugh at ourselves, yeah. and we have fun, and we joke. We probably joke sometimes too much, but there's an element of like just laugh at yourself. Mm. Have fun. I think that is what has allowed these videos to do for us is we film them. We are not professional actors, <laughs> and then we look back, and we're like, wait, we did that, and we filmed it, and we put it out? I mean, it's hysterical. 
And now, I mean, it's part of everything. Like when people start with us, they get silly string. There's a video going. There's silly string. We're throwing things at them. I mean, it's a party. And it's a celebration. When I saw, actually saw just this past week, two weeks ago, Marie and Katie are filming themselves with like weird back and forth things and sending those to potential interns that we're trying to hire. And they're just getting their phone out yeah. and saying like, hey, John, thank you for, we want to, you know, all these back and forth things. And they're just doing that themselves yeah. and sending it out to people. And it's just, they're having fun. It takes them five takes to do it. Yeah. And you know what? That's what it's about. I love it. Being different. All right. So let's go let's, next year. Let's go on your fans first experience podcast. The first podcast from us now, we've been teaching and talking about the fans first experience for a couple of years now. Yes. Tell me about this fans first experience podcast. You've recorded how many episodes now? Yeah, I mean, as of today, we've recorded, I think, eight or so, and they'll be yeah. put out every week, two weeks, something like that. Okay, so talk to me about some of the guests you're having, and again, who is the Fans First Experience podcast for, and what have you been learning as part of this journey? Right, so the Fans First Experience podcast, quite simply, again, is we're trying to help businesses turn customers into fans and fans into their biggest marketers. And so this is kind of a two-fold project. And again, you've been out there speaking. You put the book out a couple of years yeah. ago. And, and that's what kind of led us on this journey to say, can we help businesses with our experience? We're not experts in every field. But we believe that there's things that happen with the Savannah Bananas that every business can take to their customers and to their fans. And so I wanted to go on this journey to find out who else is doing this? Mm -hmm. What other companies are providing fans first experiences to their customers? And what industries are they in? And so, you know, we're going to have people that are in HVAC and real estate agents and e-commerce and bank. So we're going to, we're going to have those type of conversations, mm. but then we're also going to have conversations with people who are kind of, I would say like industry experts mm -hmm. or people that can also help teach the listeners and not just have me interviewing people. So we're going to have people who are talking about brand experiences and how you communicate to your customers and how you communicate to your mm -hmm. employees and how that can also help with the fans first experience. So there's industry experts that are coming on. There's actual case studies and businesses that are coming on. And it's all in this focus on turning customers into fans, fans into your biggest marketers through remarkable experiences. I love it. You know, I'm always fascinated about things that people are doing. So mm -hmm. some of these, these conversations, what are things that you heard like, whoa, you're really doing that for your customers? What are some that stood out? Yeah, I think one of the ones that, that blew my mind was an HVAC company, Icebound HVAC. And when you hear the interview, I was intrigued by this. They have an employee, actually, it's, they're the co-owners, but Julie, who is, is the co-owner, her title is Director of Lasting Impressions. Mm -hmm. And so we always talk about first impressions, right? You know, they didn't want a last impression. They wanted a lasting impression. And you think about, again, if you're just a customer, mm -hmm. you have a first impression, you have a last impression, you're done. For them, you might sell an HVAC unit every seven years, 10 yeah. years, 15 years. They wanted to have lasting impressions from the moment they buy to the moment it's done all the way through to beyond. Mm -hmm. And so one of the things that they're working on is sending a birthday present to the HVAC unit. So not to the customer. You know, it's not, hey, Jesse, thanks for buying from us. No, they're going to send a package to the unit and celebrate happy birthday to the unit with like balloons and a cake for it and like a card and like it's a person. And I was dying laughing. I was like, that makes no sense. And I'm like, yeah, it's, it's pretty funny, right? <laughs> the other thing they're doing is, and this actually happened to me because I, I became a customer of theirs, but when you get an HVAC unit installed, they immediately follow up and schedule a mobile massage to mm. come to your house. And you can imagine, especially my wife, who was eight months pregnant when our air conditioning went out, when she got called and said that we were going to schedule a free massage for her, she started crying. Mm. If an HVAC company 
can make customers cry, anybody can do this stuff. Yeah. Anybody can do it. And so we hear stories like that. You know, we're going to bring on Paducah Bank, and they talk about the wow experiences and the wow wagon. We're going to bring on some real estate people who are talking about, you know, again, you might buy a house one time, and they might not hear from you for six, seven, eight, ten years. But what are those experiences that are going along the way? And so Laura's going to come on and talk about building this tribe. Building a tribe of customers, building a tribe of fans that they're always staying in touch with and providing value to through classes and seminars and meetups and weekly things. So she's going to talk about how you can build this tribe of customers that end up becoming your biggest fan. So, I mean, just some fascinating stuff that, again, HVAC and real estate and banks and e-commerce, people are doing crazy things and it's not just a baseball team. You know, it's fascinating what we called this when we started, like I remember when we started back in Gastonia and here, hey, we want people to come to the ballpark and say, you wouldn't believe what happened at the ballpark. You wouldn't believe my HVAC just got a gift today. And again, you think about that, everything that someone buys, could you send a gift to that? You found a home. Congrats. Like, you found yeah. a home. Like, there's so much. Like, treat it like it's like a puppy being adopted. Like, literally, you could treat it anything. Like, it's a really special moment. 100%. And there's yeah. big things. Yeah. There's, there's, so there's big things like that. And there's small things that all these people are talking about along the way that just make them it. stand out I love it. from every other traditional industry competitor that's out there. I love it. All right. So we got those companies and then now you've doing a lot of speaking YMCA's. Are you a board member of the YMCA now? I hope to be an official <laughs> YMCA. I hope I can visit. Maybe my goal should be to speak at every yes. YMCA in the country. Well, you've been speaking all over the country, working with YMCA's yep. and tell me about that. What are you noticing? What are some things that YMCA's are now can potentially do to build this fans first experience? Yeah. I mean, we've done the audiology groups. We're yes. doing the banks, we're doing the YMCA's, and, yeah. and I've had a lot of fun meeting with these YMCA groups yeah. because they touch so many different people. Yeah. And I think what's interesting about the YMCA's is they touch a lot of different demographics and yeah. age groups and ranges and all that stuff. And so we've been having this conversation on what's your perfect fan testimonial? When someone comes through the Y, what do you want them to say to their family when they go home? What's that experience like that they're going to share on social media? Or if the YMCA, this is the question I like to ask. If your YMCA or if your business only had one Google review, and you could only have one Google review, what would you want that Google review to say if you could only have one? What would be that perfect fantastic moment? And so we start having these conversations. What's frustrating? What's normal? What's opposite? What would a you wouldn't believe statement be for this why? The one that I'm most excited about right now is as we are developing this kind of PFT, perfect fan testimonial, there was a group that's responsible for youth sports. Mm. And they said, all right, our perfect fan testimonial is our parents, we want them to say, the YMCA Youth Sports Program makes my child feel like a superstar. Imagine describing your customers as superstars. Make them feel like a superstar. Make them feel like a superstar. So we start having this conversation, right? Okay, if your goal is for them to say, my child feels like a superstar, then every single touch point along the way, you've got to say, all right, when they call, do you make them feel like a superstar? Mm. When they register and they get that confirmation, do they feel like a superstar? When they show up for the first practice, the first game, the last game, and then this is what got the most crazy, you know, they start really diving in here after the season. Mm. When the season's over, how can you continue to make them feel like superstars? We started having that conversation, light bulbs started going off, and they were like, we are all, like, we can do this. Now, obviously, we didn't solve everything in that first conversation. Mm. They had to go and have a team meeting that following week, 30 days later, and say, all right, if our goal is to make our, all of our kids feel like superstars, what are we going to do? It reminds me so much of Brian Carnacion. 
Mm. And it reminds me of the Brian and Carlos. We had a hometown tryouts. Yes. And he dominated. He was throwing like 90 miles an hour from the outfield. He did really well. And there were some kids that tried out, which was hilarious, to play. Like literally kids. Six-year-old kids. And they finished the tryout. And he stood out over everyone. And the kids went up to him and asked for his autograph. And he said, only if I can have yours. Yeah. These kids were treated like superstars. And because Brian got their autographs on his hat. Yeah. And our team started doing it. Our whole team started getting on their hats and their sleeves. They started following suit. How can we get autographs from kids? You think about these YMCA's or these other places. When they come in, can we have your picture? Yeah. Can we get your autograph? It's all those moments. But think about that. If you're doing a red carpet treatment for anybody, you you think we're fortunate now as we speak. You know, there's things in our hotel rooms. People treat us well. Why can't that be treated like everyone else? Mm -hmm. And you think about that. And I think that's such a powerful fans first experience mindset. But it starts with that PFT. That's right. What do you want people to say about you? If you want to turn your customers into fans and be your biggest marketers, what are they going to say? If they're your biggest marketers, yep. you have to be the yep. one figuring out what are they going to say. And it's the two things I tell people to look for. It's either got to be emotional, the mm-hmm. word, because you've got to settle on one word like superstar. So there's all the, the sentence, but then there's it, it boils down to this one word, mm-hmm. ours is fun or circus. Mm-hmm. And so if you think about fun and circus, there's got to be one word that's kind of emotional. So it's either got to be emotional or it's got to be like imagery, yeah. powerful. You've got to be able to see it. It can't be just, well, we want our people to say that they're the nicest people or they have the best product. Or, we had a great time. We had a great time. No, yeah. no, no, no. Something powerful with emotion mm-hmm. or powerful imagery. So when we say it's like a circus and a baseball game breaks out, you automatically start picturing Wait, a baseball field and there's people juggling or fire breathing yeah. or circus lions or tigers or elephant. Like, how could a circus be in a baseball game? And immediately you're intrigued. Yeah. So it's got to have that. Now that's a great quick win. I know we're going to wrap up, get some rapid fire, so you'll be ready. That's a quick win. So when we go into our workshops, go into the summer, we're teaching these fans first workshops. That's one of the starting points, the PFT. Yeah. What are some other cool things that happen in the workshop? Because you've taken control of these. I'll come in and do a song and a dance and get people going, but you're yeah. really owning these. And we've seen companies come from all over. You're teaching this in the fans experience. What other pieces of the workshop have you found really, really interesting and really eye-opening for companies? Yeah, I think one of the other ones is the normal opposite. And it's a simple, easy thing that I think everyone can do. And mm-hmm. if you're listening to this, it's literally get out a piece of paper, draw a line in the middle of the piece of paper, write normal on one side and write opposite on the other. And you just start identifying what's normal in my, in my business or in my industry. Is it fees or it's boring or stodgy or what are all the normal things that people experience in your business? And you can also substitute the words like boring and average and fine and traditional and all that. And then what's the opposite? And when we start doing that, because I don't know if everyone, certainly not me, has this wildly creative mindset. Mm -hmm. This is an effort to get people to start thinking a little bit creatively. Mm -hmm. And again, at one of the YMCA's, we were talking about the aquatic team. She goes, you know what's normal? Our lifeguards. I was like, go on. And she goes, you know, they just sit there, right? And I was like, yeah, what do you think? What would be the opposite? And she goes, a dancing life. And I was like, yeah, a dancing life. Like, I had never even thought of that, but it makes so much sense. Can you imagine what the customers at the YMCA would, hey, you got to go to the Y, go from three to six on Tuesday. Joey's working. Joey's working. He's <laughs> the dancing life. You never know what song's going to come up, but he's the dancing lifeguard. And so industries and businesses can start having this normal and opposite approach. And that's when things like, you know, we had a CPA who was working through and they were like, all right, well, normally they come in, 
and we have a meeting and they do their taxes and that's it. So like the opposite would be they come in and we have music playing and we hand them a glass of champagne or wine or when they leave, they have their car is already washed. Yeah. And like they were like starting to think, all right, well, normal. It was just like boring. It's average. It's traditional. So the opposite is fun and engaging and be remarkable, and remarkable and like over the top. And it's just having that conversation yeah. of what's normal. What would be exactly opposite? It. I remember the audiologist said, we're going to do a Price is Right entrance. I love and, that one. And he literally comes on and he's like, you're in the waiting room. And it's like, Joanne Summers, come on down. And yeah. she gets up and everyone starts cheering and high five. Yeah. Like, how do you make your waiting room experience? Every company has some type of waiting room experience, whether they're in line, whether they walk in. Waiting rooms are boring. How do you make the worst parts that people are most excited for? Heck yeah. And even like if you're a company that requires people to do paperwork, paperwork. Now I get it. You have to do it, right? Yes. But if there's jokes or stories or like when they hand the paperwork back in, they get a prize or you something. But yeah. Or how do you feel on one to 10? Make them with emojis. Emoji. Like, you know, make something. it fun. So it's, yeah. Do something where it's like you can take all. And again, it comes back to are you having that one word of like fun and feel like family and feel like home, whatever that is. And then you can say like, does our paperwork make people feel like family? Yeah. No. Yeah. Dude, does our paperwork make people feel loved? No. So like do things yep. inside that framework that make people feel the way that you want them to feel, yep. not just doing paperwork. Yep. And like I said, if you struggle with the emotion or what type of thing, for us, it's the most fun we are in a baseball game. But the second part, which is as important, it's important. It's a circus and a baseball game broke out. Mm -hmm. So we fun, fun, fun. But when people think of circus, yeah. is our entrance a circus? When we have Santa out there, our DJ peels and wheels, our pet band, our players doing a, it's a circus yeah. when you come into the ball. It was like an Apple store, but you're at the doctor, you know? <laughs> yes. It was like a supermarket and you were at the HVAC company, yes. you know, whatever. It's like, can you give that imagery? Can you give that imagery? It was like a water park, but we we're at the accountant, you yes. know, like something crazy. Yeah. It was a rap music video. <laughs> it was <laughs> like it, a rap music video, but I was at the yeah, lawyer's it, office. Exactly. Keep all that. All right. We're going to finish up here. We're going to switch gears. Okay. Flip the script. You are now the host of Business Done Differently. Okay. You can ask me one question. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Business Done <laughs> Differently. This is Jesse Cole. Um, no, yeah, you're Jared. What have you, doing this podcast for now, you're going into season three. Yes. What's your biggest takeaway from just meeting all these amazing people that you've been able to talk with and have on the show? Yeah. A hundred plus episodes, people that I've looked up to, I mean, tremendously. Yeah. I mean, I, the list goes on. I, when I first got into the business, I read all their books. I looked up to them. And what I've learned is more than anything, it's... What questions are you asking? What are the answers that you're looking for? And I've tried to stay very focused on experience, customer, and employee experience. And I'm hearing the same things over and over again. But for me, there are so many takeaways. For me, it's relationships. Cool. It's connection. I think as I shared, Jared, I think everything is we look at, as you're doing it right now and you're building, when you bring someone on and you get to connect with them mm -hmm. on a similar interest, and we talk about overall, what is fans first? It's relationships. It's connecting. It's becoming fans of each other's work. All these people that I've become fans of them, I think they've heard our story and they want to be a part of it as well. Um, I look at what's happened over two years now recording, went from, again, having a very small network to a much larger network. And I think that's something we all look about. If you want to grow, you got to be around people that are helping you grow. And I think for me, and if you look at all the, the list of people that have been on the show, the listeners I appreciate, these people are magnificent at what they're doing. It's I look up to them tremendously. And now that we're having a relationship, sharing ideas, think about what we have the opportunity to go back 5, 10, 15, 20 years ago. These people, you can't connect with them. Right. You know, those authors, write them you write them a letter and hope that you build connections. It's such an easier way that if we're not taking advantage of asking questions, and I think that's really, really important. So I'm going to put this your way too. If you want better answers in business, you need to ask better questions. Mm. What are the questions you're asking these yeah. days? Well, so yeah, you meet with staff a lot too. 
So you're asking me? Yeah, I'm asking you what are the questions you're asking these The question I'm asking right now is am I a good leader? And I'm trying to do some self-evaluation on what do people think of me? I know it's a weird conceited thing, but I think what it is is I'm trying to judge myself and I'm trying to understand, you know, where are my flaws at? But then I have blind spots, right? Because I'm self-absorbed into seeing the way that I operate. And so I'm anonymously asking our staff to grade me on 15 different kind of one through five categories, super simple, nothing like that's going to throw them off. But it's like, hey, one through five, how do you feel like I spend time with the team? Or one through five, what are my relationships like with the team? Or one through five, you know, how do I communicate with just those soft skills that I'm asking myself, am I living to where I need to be? And then what are those things I should self-reflect on and get better at? I think one of the most powerful things about you, and you started doing this about a year ago. You did the first time. Yeah, I did it one, super simple. And and what was interesting was- What'd you find? So it was five different categories. The three that I thought I was the best at were the three that other people thought I wasn't the best at. The two that I thought I was the worst at were the two that they thought I was the best at. So share what came out of that. So one of the ones was that I thought that one of the questions was, do I put myself in people's shoes? Do, Do I put myself in other people's shoes? I think that's always interesting as a leader to, to find out, like, do you know what people are going through? Yeah. I felt like I did it. I felt like I didn't actually know what people mm. were going through as much. And it was like, the response was, yeah, you know what we're going through. You know what we're about. You're empathetic. Uh, yeah. You are empathetic to, to what we're going through. One of the ones that I thought I was better at was I thought that when I had conversations with people, I thought I provided adequate response. Mm. And... They didn't think I provided adequate response. Actually, they thought I provided a more short-sighted response. Mm. And in my mind, I'm providing very direct feedback and saying, hey, this is how, but it comes off as short-sighted and kind of quick and not as empathetic sometimes. I guess not people think I'm okay with being in other people's shoes, but when I provide a response to somebody, mm. it comes across as harsh and a little short, bit short. Yeah. I mean, so that was interesting. Yeah. And you know, it's so fascinating, Jared, because I think as your evolution of a leader, yeah. from where you were at 24 as a president to where you are now, you're asking those questions. Every leader in the world wants their team to be better, wants their right. people to be better. And they're constantly saying, you need to do this, you need to do this. But how many leaders are willing to ask their team, what can I do better? It was a conversation we had the other day. What if we went through the hiring process of, to be a game? If you're a leader of a business, would you get hired? Yeah. What if you went through the hiring process of your team? Yeah. Would you hire yourself? Yeah. Who knows? Well, you're putting yourself in their shoes and you're actually seeing what they think, just like we do with our fans at our ballpark. And that's, if you want to deliver a great experience, you got to put yourself in the employee's shoes, you got to put yeah. yourself in your customer shoes. And I think you're doing that. That's huge. All right, let's keep moving. Now that's what I call service. The best service experience you've had recently. Best service experience that I have had recently. Oh my goodness. I, man, this is tough. I'm not saying that I haven't had great experiences recently, but there's not one that actually sticks out in my mind that I have raved about. The one that does stick out in my mind the most was actually a couple years back. We were in Chicago at a restaurant. You guys actually sent us to Chicago and surprises. We were at a Chicago in a restaurant there. And I don't know how the conversation came up, but we told the we were at a pizza restaurant there and we told the guy we were from Savannah, Georgia. Actually, this is how it came up. We told the guy we were from Savannah, Georgia. And he started riffing on the office bit where they talk about, you know, there had been a murder in Savannah. He starts riffing the bit. And we kind of riffed it with him. And we both kind of realized we were both fans of the office. He goes back and prints out this 39-page BuzzFeed article about why Jim is the worst character on The Office. And he brings it back, and then we start debating about it. And we are joking, we're laughing, we're having fun. Every time he comes back through, he's like talking about The Office, and he's trying to make points and debate us. We laugh with that guy the entire He wasn't even our waiter. He wasn't even our server. He was like the assistant manager or something of the night. And we kept laughing at the guy, laughing at the guy. 
and I think the pizza was good, but like it was our first experience in Chicago, and I was like, this place is cool. This place is fun. This guy just randomly made one comment. We had a connection, and then he just kept taking it to the next level. I thought that was really interesting. I love it. I love it. Tool time. What's the most important tool in your business toolbox? Most important tool in my business toolbox? Yes. Most important tool in my business toolbox is understanding where we are going. For me, I think in the initial part of our business, we're just like day to day, day to day, day to day, day to day, day to day. And now I've been able to take one step back, peel the layers off of myself and say, all right, this is where we're trying to get to go. This is where we're trying to build towards. And that's taken five years to get to that point. But it was an opportunity where we said, look, if we're only just doing day to day, over and over and over and over again, we're just selling, 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 then we're not going to build for the next piece of the business. And so I think for me, it was being able to rip that one layer off and then become a builder of the next piece of the business. I love it. Best lesson you've learned in the last four years? Best lesson I have learned in the past four years is to be a listener and not be a talker. I think people want to be heard. People want to be heard. People want to be understood. You know, I always found myself being so quick to respond to somebody and give my opinion and say, you know what, here's what I think. And that bit me in the butt a couple of times. You know, we're having a conversation with staff. I remember I was having a conversation with Jonathan and we had talked about things, talked about things, talked about things. And I said, you know, Jonathan, we've already talked about this. And he kind of looked at me and he was like, it'd be nice if you just cared about what I was saying. And I realized at that moment, like, I've got to start listening. Mm. I gotta start listening and hold. You know, it's okay to say something. Yep. But I gotta start listening and making sure that other person knows. Hey, man, I hear you. I hear you. I hear you. I hear you. And now here's my thought. And that takes time because we want to have the best ideas. We want to see mm-hmm. that we got it all in control. We want to have the answer. Sometimes we don't want to be heard. All right, final four. This is a new one. Adding this one to it. What's something you're the most proud of since your time with the, the bananas and fans first? The thing I'm most proud of is really our people. I believe, are also so proud to work here. Mm-hmm. You know, we've got this group of people who a lot of people, it's their first job, but they've been here with, you know, for four or five years now. A lot of times these people came in as interns and they grew up and it became, these people, are, I believe that these people are so proud to work here. And I don't think, when I go home and we talk to family or friends and you hear about, you have these conversations around the dinner table or with your friends and you always talk about how bad work is, you know boss is tough and they're trying to screw me over. I didn't get a raise this year. Everything's so negative about work. And I hope and I believe that when our people go home, I believe they talk about how great it is to work for the Savannah Bananas. And I think they feel pride that they're able to work for a place that is, I believe, doing some great things and is on top of the world and doing things that are so different that I think they're proud to work for. It's it's, are your people and fans of your company? Mm -hmm. Are they actual fans of your building? All right, if you were to give advice to someone younger, to stand out in business and in life, what would you tell them? Yeah, so we have these conversations a lot with when, when I go speak at Georgia Southern or when I have phone calls with people who are just trying to pick our brain. And yeah, I tell them, look, you're going to get a degree and you're going to get the same degree that all other 500 people are getting. And you're going to have probably the same GPA. And if you don't go out and learn from someone two steps ahead of you or three steps ahead of you, similar to what you're doing now, you know, you're much more further ahead than, than people who are in college, but you're finding those people who are two and three steps ahead of you. And so if you're in college, if you're in school, you've got to be someone who says, all right, I'm getting my degree, I'm getting my GPA, and I'm studying, but who are those people in front of me that I need to kind of latch on to and maybe do an internship with them? Or maybe, hey, can I have a phone call with you? Or can I learn from, like, how do you get involved with those people who are two mm-hmm. or three steps ahead of you? I think sometimes... 
We see the people who are 40 years ahead of us, and we're like, oh man, I want to have a business of 800 employees and $400 million. And it's like, dude, you're just not there yet. You got to find that person two or three steps ahead and get on their train, get on their level, and find out what's your next step to separate yourself from everybody else. I love it. Love it. Final two here. Best advice you've ever received. Best advice I have ever received. I think it came from my mom. You know, my mom was a coach. She was, she was a basketball player, but she loved coaching. So my mom was always our coach, right? She coached our soccer team. She coached our basketball team. She never coached our baseball team, but like she was our coach. And I always remember that she wanted to make sure that we respected the people we played with, we played against, the referees. I'll never forget a basketball game. I was probably nine or 10 years old and I got a foul called on me and I kind of shoved the basketball away back to the referee. And you better believe when I got in the car that night, they were not happy. Because I had shown myself as someone who was not appreciated. I disrespected someone who was really in authority of us that, that day, who was the referee. And, and that's just not how we were told that we were supposed to live life. And we need to respect people. We need to love them. Even if they're different from us, even if they have different beliefs, even if they have different attitudes, we need to love and respect those people because that's what we expect of ourselves. Mom being my coach growing up was really cool and had some hard conversations, mm -hmm. but I think we learned a lot too. My best advice always from my dad too. So yeah. everyone else. So final one here. You may not have been asked this one. How do you want to be remembered? I want to be remembered as someone who loved people and shared love with people because I think that's what we've been called to do. As someone who's a, who's a believer, I believe we've been called to love people. And it's not make the most money. It's not have the most success or be the most known. Like people need to be loved. And people need to, be, people need to know that. Because there's so many people who don't know where to turn, don't know what to search for. Mm -hmm. You know, I think people come to our games looking for something. They may be looking for love. They're looking for belonging. You know, they feel like they might be left out. You know, Barry had a conversation with a guy the other day who said he felt like coming to a bananas game was the reason he got involved in Savannah. Mm. We're not, we didn't, that's not our business. We didn't set out to do yeah. that, right? But um, I want to be remembered as somebody who people felt, man, that, that guy, he has genuine love for the people he comes in contact with. You're doing it, my friend. I tell you, we've, uh, love is a word that we've started talking about a lot more here in the office. And it's okay to talk about love in the yeah. workplace because you know what? That's a powerful word. It's a powerful emotion. It could be a good PFT if you really mean it. Sure. And I never hear you talk about it much, so it's good I'm hearing it right now because it sees what it matters. Yeah, it does. Deep down, it does. It, which, which is pretty powerful. So, Jared, first episode, season three, Business Done Differently. Where can they find out more about you, the Fans First podcast, Fans First workshops, and everything because you are a rock star, my yes, friend. Yes, all right. So, take this time. We've started a website, Fans First U, the letter U.com, F A N S F I R S T, the letter U.com. We're posting stuff on LinkedIn, mm -hmm. on Savannah Bananas. Mm -hmm. We're posting stuff on Instagram, Fans First Entertainment. And then the podcast is called the Fans First Experience Podcast. Email me, text me, call me, whatever. We want to be accessible, right? Like, I think what I've tried to share with people is we're not trying to hide behind a computer. Yeah. We're not trying to hide behind webinars. We're not trying to hide behind workshops or podcasts. Like, our emails and our phone numbers, they are widely accessible. You've given away my cell phone on every Bananas Unpeeled episode. That's why you get all these speaking requests. <laughs> Maybe that's it. That's it. Well, that's a wrap, Jared. Appreciate you, my man. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Business Done Differently, where we believe whatever's normal, do the exact opposite, and that standing out is the best way to grow your business. For more information about the guest and topics covered on this episode, visit findyouryellowtux.com or shoot me a note at jesse at findyouryellowtux.com. Until next time, stop standing still, start standing out.